Uh, what have we been talking about this weekend, Blue Water? Fighting the good fight. What else? Purpose. Yeah. The BGP, your big God-given purpose. And what else? Fighting the good fight. Trying. Laying tracks. Asking like a boss. In the light, in the dark, it does not matter. Ask like a boss. We discovered this last night. Uh, beating chaos. Yeah. Do it now. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Good. If you're not at camp, you're thinking, I, I should have just stayed in Wailua at the bakery. Yeah. Fighting the good fight, they do. Yeah, all of those things. Uh, so what, what we've been talking about is, is fighting the good fight in life. What makes a fight good and how you go about fighting, you know, generally. Uh, we've been talking about um, living according to your purpose and, and what that requires. What that requires. So a few points which are probably familiar to all of you. Uh, at this point, since we've been talking about it a lot uh, during our church services. Um, when Jesus calls a person, Jesus doesn't just call the person to him. Jesus calls the person to a purpose, That's a calling, a life mission. Now, in some sense, we all share uh, the same sort of life mission. We are all called to be salt and light in, in the world, uh, and we are all trying to spread uh, the good news of the kingdom of God, which by one way of understanding an expression means to, to spread that good news in the kingdom of God means to gather other people into their calling in, in God, their big God-given purpose. That's one way to think about evangelism. You know, I'm not just trying to get you to believe stuff about God that I believe. I'm trying to get you to live your life according to the purpose that God has uh, for us and for you in particular. You know, a purpose that has to do with love, a purpose that has to do with grace, a purpose that has to do with all the kingdom distinctives uh, that we know uh, so well. Uh, live according to purpose. Now, purpose is, is the way... Uh, Purpose, living according to your purpose, releases power in your life. Power for living, which means it's how you get a good life, the sort of life you want to live. And power for influence and ministry, which means when you live according to your purpose, then you have power to spread the kingdom, to bless other people around you in the way that you want to bless them. The key having power in your life is to live according to your purpose. That's the key. Promise you. Promise you. Jesus says all sorts of things uh, along these lines. You know, go out, preach the good news. And you know what? Signs and wonders will follow you. You know, wherever you move according to your purpose, miracle working power is released. That's true for all believers. You know, when he says, you're the salt, you're the light, you guys are going to change the world, provided that you live according to your saltiness and your lightness, your qualities of illumination. So the way we put it in, in a previous sermon is, 
uh, when you live at the level of your purpose, then your greatest power is released. Purpose releases power. And your biggest purpose is your biggest power. Your biggest power for living and your biggest power for ministering to other people. Um, but <clears throat> let's be clear, you can't just have a purpose. That's not good enough. You have to live according to the purpose that you have. Ah, well now this is where the good fight comes in. It's not enough to know your purpose. You have to live according to that purpose. And we get stuck right there oftentimes. We kind of understand, oh, yeah, 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 uh, I'm supposed to be salt. I'm supposed to be light. But are we being salt and light? Are we actually doing it, you know? And, and we've been uh, thinking about that in some of the sermons that, that we've done recently. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're salt and light, but are you following through, you know? And follow-through is often best encouraged, not by teaching or not by understanding, but by coaching, right? You have to create a culture of follow-through, a culture of salt and light, or a culture of discipling. When should you disciple people? Always. And, and to follow through on that, we all need to be doing it always. And then we create a culture of it, a culture of, of discipling. Purpose thrives only in a lifestyle of purpose. Purpose thrives in a lifestyle of purpose. It has to be the style of your life. It can't just be an understanding here. The purpose of a church thrives in the culture of the church. It can't just be something that some of us do. It must be something that all of us do all the time. And then suddenly, bam, we become more than the sum of our parts. We become a powerful community uh, of, of the likes it's hard to imagine being until you actually experience it. When we all pull together, then we're more than we are, if that makes sense. Purpose requires a lifestyle of purpose, and purpose of a community requires a culture of purpose in, in, that, in that community. Uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, well, how do you put together a, a life of purpose? You know, how, how, how do you work that out? So your mission, I don't know, maybe I should rename this. I call it mission for certain reasons, but, you know, it's your purpose, but it's your, it's your big purpose, right? It's, we're all salt and light, but we all have a big purpose. We all have a particular mission. Uh, we, uh, a lot of us talked about that last night in our public declarations. Um, but you have, to, you have to figure out what that is. You know, mine has something to do with really changing dominant culture with respect to God. I'm a, I'm a culture buster. I tweak people's brains, and I, I make them see things in, in a different way, and, and I, I do that all the time. The Apostle Paul was, um, was a cross-cultural communicator as well. I really enjoy reading stories about his life. I learned so much. But he was taking uh, a belief that had been saturated in Jewishness, and he was carrying it to other cultures in the world and thinking, well, how do I essentialize this? How do I communicate this? What do I do to really uh, change people's worlds and, and, and outlook? And he came up with new ways of explaining things and, and new ways of planting churches, building communities is a big part of what he did. It's a big part of what I do and we do as well. You all have something like that. You know, I have a curious way of understanding my own, and some of you have peculiar ways of understanding your own, but 
but you all have a purpose. But purpose should not be confused with vision. Vision is how you go about doing something, right? So one of my vision is I build, I build faith communities. You know, you're one of them. Congratulations, whether you, whether, you want, whether you want to be or not. But the fact is, even when I'm not in a faith community, you know, whatever environment I'm in, I'm still, I'm still doing my purpose. You know, if I'm in an office building, I'm still busting culture. Um, if I am, you know, one-on-one with somebody whom I will never see again on an airplane, I'm still busting culture. I live according to my purpose because I know when I do that, amazing things happen. And the trick for me is to stay on target. If you think that, well, my purpose is to be a missionary to the Congo, then you have misdiagnosed what your purpose is. Being a missionary to Congo is a vision, right? Your purpose would be, well, I uh, evangelize non-believers or I build churches in unreached, for unreached people or something like that. Because you, that's not limited to the Congo, is it? You could do that on a bus. So know who you are purpose-wise allows you to build visions or to go about visions that are helpful, you know? I've been a, a builder of faith communities. I happen to arrive in Honolulu and do it here, and that is a story. <laughs> um, but your purpose is your purpose everywhere in every circumstance. Your vision will adjust a little bit. And then tools are what you use to implement your vision. One of the ways I best culture is I write, I write books, I write articles and stuff like that. So writing is part of my vision. It means I need to be good at the writing tools. You know, I need to be good at language. I need to be good at teaching techniques and stuff like that. What tools. And then the virtues that support all of it. This is, this is a path. All the pieces need to be, be there. If you're all purpose, but you have no way, you have no idea how to go about your purpose, then you have a purpose, but you're not living according to your purpose. If you have a purpose and you have vision, but you have no skills or capacities to pull it off, then you're stuck. You're dead in the water. You have a purpose. You might even have a vision, but you have no means and so nothing's happening. You're not living according to your purpose. And then finally, there are virtues, which, you know, love, grace, generosity. The list, the list is endless. Love is going to be on everybody's list. But if, if you're not really developing in personal virtues, then you'll get taken out of the game every day. You know, it's like, my purpose is to, I don't know, this, reach the lost, for Jesus. Okay, great. But if you don't have love and selflessness, then you won't do very well at that. You know, you'll, you'll find that you're just not very active in your purpose. You're just not very active in your calling. Why? Well, you're just not a loving person. Or you're not a mature person. You get distracted easily and stuff like that. You put all of these things together, well, that's a life. That's a life. That's not just a purpose, but that's the life that supports the purpose. And we need a life, don't we? Somebody say amen, come on, chihu, or yes, just whatever, whatever you were practicing last night. All right, so that's that. The thing is that even, you know, as we, do, we do a good job at you know, getting, getting to our purpose. We might not know it all, but at least we know a piece of it. At least we know we're going to be salt and light, so we're going to be salt and light everywhere. We, we get it. We embrace it. We're on it. And then if we're really good, we build the life that supports it. 
churches are great at that. We help one another build this life. You know, we help one another with stuff like this and, and exploring stuff like this. We're great. Let's say we build a life. It's still going to be hard. And the reason it's going to be hard is because the world is not neutral. That's when the fighting comes in. The world is filled with chaos, right? It's about the first thing we learn about the world in Scripture, right? That something goes wrong, and then God says to Adam and Eve, all right, look, it's not ideal anymore, kids. I'm sending you out there, and you're going to have to subdue the earth. You're going to have to go cut through the riot now, right? Now you're fighting gravity. It's a fight, and it always has been. We've learned this from the very beginning of the story of humanity with God. You know, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. That does not sound pleasant, right? I mean, I've read to the end, the sheep win. They're, they're very crafty. They're very crafty. They, they, leverage, they leverage what they had, and they pulled it off, you know? Commando sheep. Um, but, but the point is well taken, you know? Like, there is opposition. You're, the world is trying to kill you. And really what the world is doing is the world is trying to kill purpose in you, right? Where, where your purpose is in life, there chaos will concentrate in battle amounts, right? Pursuing your purpose will never be easy. So not, not only do we have to have a purpose, not only do we have to put together a life according to that purpose, but we need to have fighting attitude and fighting mentality and fighting ways about us. We have a, a martial art for life. We need to have that. Otherwise, we won't get through our day. There's too much chaos, too much gravity uh, against us. So purposeful living always encounters huge amounts of chaotic resistance. So you must be strong in the ways of try, we talked about yesterday, um, which try is faith in action. That's what try is. That's why it's our church slogan. Try, trying things, is what makes faith live. It's what makes purpose flow. In fact, trying is the only thing that makes faith live and purpose flow. So you have to get really good at the ways of trying. And it's helpful to understand the ways of chaos as well. So there's a little, little table uh, in your booklet. I know some of you went over it uh, previously, but um, those of you who weren't at camp, you'll find it. It's like ways of chaos. Ways, ways of try, you know, I've been around long enough, I've, I've read enough, understood enough to know that chaos has certain signature attacks that it uses against us. Chaos always tries to bring uh, diffusion, confusion, or intrusion. Diffusion means to unfocus. Chaos always wants you in a bunch of, bunch of pieces, right? Wants you to be focused on many different things, you know? Jesus said, Martha, Martha, only one thing is necessary. You know, you have to learn to prioritize, girl. Otherwise, chaos will kick your butt every time. Diffusion. You know, a lot of us are diffused in life. Like, yeah, yeah, I have a purpose, but really, I spend 23 and a half hours a day on something else. Um, you're, you're diffuse. Your energy is not focused 
uh, where it should be. And then confusion, like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. And it's like, It's, it's tough to think clearly uh, in, in the world. And intrusion, you know, all sorts of temptations and emergencies that come. Sin is like a big intrusion. And pretty soon it becomes an addiction and a diffusion. But emergencies happen. The pressures of the world, as Jesus said, the weeds, the anxieties of the world grow up around you and choke out the life in your life. And pretty soon you have a life without life or a life without purpose. This is how chaos operates. It never slams into you head on, it always snipes at you from the side and just wears you down. Um, favorite attacks of chaos, delay attacks, that's a big one. You know, chaos is never going to say, no, don't do your purpose. Chaos is going to say, okay, that's great, but let's start next week. Let, let, let's put that off until life is a little more figured out or until you have your ducks in a row, you know. Delay attacks. We are big delayers. Some of us are obsessive procrastinators. Body language. <laughs> yeah, I admit it. Um, because chaos has you. Uh, there are identity attacks. It's like, well, you can't live out your purpose. I mean, you have a purpose. Yeah, Jesus calls you to the purpose, but you know, you suck. You know, you're too blank to pull that off. Um, and and then when we have identity insecurities, we do all sorts of unhealthy things, play right into the hand of chaos. There's the half-built tower attack, uh, which provided there are not kids in the room, I call the half-assed attack. It's half-assedness, and we are all guilty of half-assedness. Uh, Jesus talks about it all the time. He doesn't use that word exactly. He uses the Greek word that corresponds to Uh, but, you know, it's like it's stupid to go halfway. If you go halfway, then, you know, you're right in the battle, but not really fighting <laughs> anymore. That's a stupid place to be, people. You know, you got to follow through. You got to follow through. The last, you know, the last 10% of anything is 90% of the work. You got to go all the way. This is one disease that has afflicted blue water quite a bit. We're just not following through very well on some things. So we try splendidly. We risk much. And then we just kind of peter out at the end. And then I have to start over. You know, that happens to me a lot. I disciple people. You bring them in. They experience Jesus. They go for about a year, maybe two years, and then you lose them. Why? Half-assedness. It's a, it's a worldly disease. Uh, and, and we are not immune. We have to learn to fight it. There's undisciplined emotions as opposed to discipled emotions. You know, we let our feelings run our lives. No, our decisions run our lives. Truth runs our lives. Virtues run our lives. Emotions are just information. They help us, and they should not be ignored. But we have to disciple them. You know, we are more than just how we feel. And mature people understand that, and immature people don't. And chaos loves immature people. Just make you feel a certain way and then lead you around by your nose, um, et cetera. We could, we could go on and on, but court, uh, you know, uh, countervailing against that are the ways of try, you know, clarity of purpose. And so that's why we spent so much time thinking about purpose this weekend. It, it, it keeps you from being vague 
keeps you from being confused. You should know what you're about, and then you should set ruthless priorities. And priorities need to be ruthless because the world is chaotic. So you have to be severe about these things. I will do this every day. I will do this every week. It's my priority. And if you're going to follow through on those priorities, you need routines. It's another important aspect of the way of try. Routines are one of the first things that God taught his people. All right, you're going to have a calendar. You're going to have a weekly schedule. You're going to have a a yearly schedule. There's, There's going to be a way that you approach tabernacle. These are routines for you. Why? Because if you don't have a routine, then you spend too much time deciding things <laughs> and too much time arguing about reevaluating plans. No, no, just make a routine. You have to. And then you can adjust it over time, but you have to have one or chaos will take you out every single time. Uh, we could go on, uh, but there's a, a list there. That's often what the fight is like for us in the midst of the fight. In the midst of the fight, it's ways of chaos versus ways of try. And so we need to be ready for that, and we need to be wise in the way of living faith, wise in the way of flowing purpose, which means being wise in the way of try. Everybody say, try. All right. So that's what we've been talking about. Find purpose. You've got to live according to your purpose. You've got to be uh, wise in the way of uh, fighting against chaos with living faith, uh, with try. And it's helpful to go into all of that with a, a battle stance. I think if you're training for a fight, um, you, you, know, you rehearse a way of doing it. You, you, if, if you, how many of you like studied martial arts? If you study classic martial arts, then uh, you, you learn forms or kata or um, what's it called in Kung Fu? Um, forget. Karate is kata, yeah. Um, and so uh, we, uh, we went over this briefly a few weeks ago. We did the open spirit kata together. Do you remember this? And uh, you don't remember the kata. What you remember is that I danced with Sonia in front of the church right before doing the kata. That's what you remember, right? right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, there was some like, there was some spiritual point, but really it was just really hilarious to watch you do this. And uh, I, I understand. No, I'm fighting chaos today. Right? I will not be diffused. Thank you very much. I am... Don't give a sword to a man who cannot dance. The, f- the famous Celtic proverb that I think I taught you. Um, it's, called, it's called the open spirit kata because... 80% of anything is just showing up, is just being open to being salt and light in, in the moment. Uh, the first, about the first lesson that Jesus teaches his people about living with purpose, hey, you're, you're salt and light. Uh, n- nobody puts a lamp under a bucket. True. <laughs> what, what's your point, Jesus? Uh, it's like, well, but you, you hide who you are, right? You're light, but you go out of your way to not be light. We do? How do we do that? Well, we do it because we go through life not remembering that we are light, not living according to being light. 
right? So like on the open spirit content, because Jesus had the way of the open spirit. Whatever situation he walked into, he was kind of open to what the opportunities, the kingdom opportunities were for him in that moment. So if he was hanging out at a well in Samaria, a neighborhood where he should not have been, where he was not welcome, he was still open to an, an interaction with the woman of ill repute who was there. And he just like, he just threw down. Why? Because he was open. He was, because he had battle stance all the time. You know, he was always aware. We need to cultivate an open spirit in order to engage the fight with the ways of try in order to live out the life of purpose uh, that we have. Uh, so, uh, so you guys remember this? First, the, the, the first step of the kata is, is showing up. So you sort of take your, your ready stance and you kind of gather yourself. I probably need some help up here, don't I? Yeah. All right, I will, I will wait eight seconds for volunteers and then I'll start naming names. Who wants to come up? Yeah, you, uh, you don't get to volunteer your neighbor. All right, other one. There you go, buddy. Strapping, young man. And Dan is the Zumba expert. So this should be nothing for you. This should be nothing for you, buddy. Men are, the, men are, the men are showing up. All right, so here we go. So first we gather ourselves from wherever, wherever our attention is, right? So the way we do it is we cross and then center. I'm here. I've, 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 sh I've shown up. Let's do it again. And, and I would like to see some salsa hips in this. Yeah. So I don't know. Zoom the man. But 80% of anything is just showing up, right? Uh, and then uh, you, have to, you have to clear your vision. So eyes of truth uh, is, is the next move. And then clear out. Whew. Now I can see. I've shown up, and now I can see. Right? And now there's a way uh, interacting with the world, and it's the way of love. So what we do is we, we uh, gather our heart, and we share it out. We gather our heart, right hand underneath, and there you go. Right? Let's do that again. Share it out. And share it out. Excellent. So now, now we're loving people. If we're loving people, everything else uh, can happen. But, you know, you want to love people. You show up. You see things clearly. There's still going to be lots of static in life. And so you need to be a person of force, don't you? Right? So hand of power. So now we put our body weight into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. This, this, that's what we're talking about right there. Let's, let's just do that again. It's like, yeah, we're lovers. But don't mess with us. Shit. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. But, you know, in a world full of chaos and fight and forcefulness, we, we still need to be at peace with the Lord because you have authority over any storm in which you can rest. And peace is the headquarters of faith. So spirit of peace. <sighs> be still. All right, all together. Can we do it? 
All right, so first, first we're going, there's just a few too many iPads in the room right now. <laughs> this, I, I, you guys are actually fairly photogenic young men. I always look like a diseased scarecrow. All right, so it's like, here we are. We're at camp. We're, we're going to actually show up. Oh, I want to see things clearly. Let's move in love. Mmm, you're going to have to power through some static. Shit! <laughs> Nothing rattles us. Well done, sir. Well done. Oh, yeah. Huh? You all want to do it? Can we do it? We're at camp. Okay, spread out. And if Nana shows you up, you're excommunicated from Blue Water. She's got the best hips in the business, though. Yeah. Yeah. All right, here we go, guys. So stand. It's usually have one foot slightly in front of the other so that you can move any direction. That's what boxing and all that stuff teaches you. All right, so out. Right hand under, right hand over at the end. Again. We've shown up. We want to see clearly. So hands up and out. Am I seeing things as I should see them? All right, heart of love, left hand under, out, right hand under, out. All right, uh, but you know the world is the world. Let's be forceful. Back. I'm, I'm, I'm scared in a half humorous sort of way. All right, you got to keep your peace, people. And down. All right, we did it. Blue Water's going to have the weirdest worship sessions. <laughs> what is that? Is that, is that, is that yoga? What is... Hashtag what? Morning routine. The social media guru over there taking care of us. Let me go through those things because... Um, you know, it's, uh, you know I, actually, I actually do a routine, something like that. I didn't just make that up on the spot one day. But, um, you know, just it's sort of a self-chat. It's putting yourself in, in battle, battle stance. Really, 80% of anything is showing up and showing up well. Um, we are profoundly limited in our lives because we don't give anything full attention. Our attention is is constantly divided. So we walk into the office in the morning filled with people to whom we should be salt and light, and we are not thinking about that. We are thinking about, I don't know, the email that's due or the traffic that uh, ruined our peace or whatever it is. Um, so you have to show up with full attention. You know, am I paying attention? And that's, that's really what I do, you know, on my, my routine. 
It's like, am I, am I actually here? I can go through entire days without actually being there. Because I'm just so crushingly busy and so many emotions running through my spirit. I can throw whole days without ever being there. You know? So you have to be there. Um, that's, I think, what Jesus was talking about when he said, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a, a bucket or under a, a bushel. Instead, they put it on a stand. Um, and it gives light to everyone in the house. If you show up, everybody benefits. You know? So that, that's what being attentive is. It's, it's being, being who you are uh, in the moment. That's what Jesus was talking about. Got to show up. Um, so I've been practicing that lately. You know, I walk into the coffee shop or I walk through, uh, you know, our busy office uh, common room or something like that. I was thinking, Have I shown up? I am probably, I mean, may, maybe the Hamasaki's challenge me, but I'm probably the most introverted person here. I don't know. I am, I am willing to... Everybody look at Keith and Leslie because they love that. They love it. <laughs> I'm, wired, I'm wired in such a way that I actually, uh, it's far easier for me to talk to crowds of people than it is for me to talk to people one-on-one or in small groups or at parties and stuff. I, just, I still, to this day, I don't do well in places like that. And so I constantly want to hide. I constantly want to not be where I am uh, because my energy, uh, I, I don't have... My vents are always wide open. Like, if I'm talking to you, I'm giving you all the energy I have, which is the problem. You know, I will, I will run out eventually, and, and then I need to go someplace quiet to recoup. I'm never with a person that I'm not giving you what I have, uh, which is one of the curses of some sorts of, of, of introverts. And so when I walk into a busy place, I'm often like this. <laughs> you know, which is something that personally I need to fight against. You know, I need to be very intentional about that. And maybe some of you, oh, other you are extroverted. It's like, I'm here. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. God bless you. <laughs> Stay away from me. <laughs> but that's just to share a little bit of, of my personal struggle. Can I, can, I get a, can I get a soft amen from the introverts? And, you know, that whole eye of truth thing, you know, uh, the showing up is, am I paying attention? The eye of truth thing is, am I seeing things clearly? And, oh, my gosh, it is so hard in life to see things clearly. Um, you know, it's one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves. Am I really seeing this clearly? Am I really seeing the situation clearly? Tons of things compromise our perceptions, our perceptions of the world, our perceptions of people, our perceptions of ourself, you know, great perception uh, killers include stuff like pride, anger, insecurity, pain, and all manner of sin. First thing it does is it makes you see things in a screwy way. Uh, and an essential, essential fighting skill is to be able to perceive the most fundamental and essential truths about 
ourselves, other people, and the situations. What's, what's the most essential thing happening here? What's the most essential thing happening in you? What's the most essential thing about me? Go to what is essential, and that is always seeing things clearly. Jesus was awesome at this, awesome at this. You notice that whenever he interacted with people, they would ask him a question, and then he would answer the question they should have asked but didn't, you know? Um, what, do I, what do I do to en- enter the kingdom? Well, you're wrapped up in your money. Don't be all religious on me, buddy. The world's got you by the throat. Chaos has you. You know, you always got to the point in his interactions with people. Uh, and um, we not need also to be able to get to the point in ourselves. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you have a plank in your own eye? First, take the plank out of your eye. And then you'll be able to, to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And this is all about honest sight, which is a skill that is really vital in the kingdom of God. Um, Paul put it this way to the Corinthians, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. We're always looking for the real thing behind the curtain in people and in life. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. As an introvert, when somebody comes and interacts with me, I'm like, I'm just going to try to get through this. You are really a barrier to the rest of my day, right? I, I'll, I'll find myself thinking that in the grocery store, interacting with cashiers or something like that. It's like, no, 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 actually, actually, you know what? I'm light, and you are an eternal creature of the creator. And if I look just for one more second, I can probably see what's happening in your life, and at the very least, give you a word of encouragement, because actually, I have great sight if I use it. I'm a prophetically gifted man. I'm really, really good at it. But for some reason, I just, I got to clear my head and my eyes first in order to pull up. That's my way of fighting. I need to be able to do that. Maybe some of you can relate. And there's the heart of love, but you're all perfectly loving and selfless, so I don't need to talk about that. Um, You know, love is the highest and most powerful of all virtues, and it's really the core of every God-giving calling. But selfishness is the most powerful of all vices, and it's the, at the core of every temptation. Selflessness, selfishness. Um, love covers over a multitude of mistakes, we're told, a multitude of sins. And if you're moving in love, everything tends to find its proper order. If you know, you're not sure about this, you're not sure about this, love will get you there. If you think you're sure about this, but you have not love, you're dead in the water. You will just destroy communities instead of building them. Destroy relationships instead of of blessing them. Over all these virtues, put on love, Paul told the Colossians. You know, you could do lots of teachings on that, but basically, are you a loving person or are you a selfish person? That's the best metric for any moment. Am I... Am I being selfless or selfish right now? You know, Jesus said, be perfect as your Father is perfect. Be perfect in love. Love your enemies. Love the people that are actually trying to kill you. And if you can do that, then you probably should be able to, I don't know, love your spouse, um, love your neighbor who probably isn't trying to kill you. There's one neighbor, but no, it's... Um, 
you know, this love. And I, I, don't, I don't do that automatically well. Like, I get through a lot of interactions trying to function, but then I have to catch myself, like, was I a loving man there? You know, am I coming across as a loving man? Um, am I doing the right thing, which is always the loving thing? You know, and got to be loving. It's more important to be loving than it is to be right, according to a teaching, Ephesians. Every argument should be about loving the person you're arguing with, not conquering the person. <laughs> you know, but we play so many games. Hand of power, the world is not neutral. We've been talking a lot about the need to be forceful. We fight spiritual gravity, and almost everything, every good thing we do in life will require a marshalling of internal force. You're not going to accomplish anything if you're not forceful about it. You need to have a violent heart sometimes, a violent spirit, you know? You just Sometimes just to have a significant conversation with a coworker, you got to psych yourself into it. You know, why is it hard to say, hey, what's, what's meaningful about this to you? Why is that hard to say in the office? Because chaos is freaking out and pushing against you. And if you don't push back, you're never going to have that conversation. Spiritual gravity. Um, so you have to be forceful. You know, my life verse, from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven has been advancing with force, and forceful people are leading it. Or some of your translations will say forceful people are taking it. It's a verse that gets translated a whole bunch of different ways. You know why? Because early translators couldn't stand the idea of violence. They thought it was unchristian, and they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Uh, some of the newer translations are, the NIV sucks at this verse. And most of us read that. No, Jesus was very clear. Like, hey, I came to bring a sword. You know, I'm not a violent man in the classical sense, but you're going to have to fight this. Paul said, hey, we have a battle. It's not against much of blood. It's against principalities and, and, and demons and spirits. And every day you're going to want to put on your armor. You're going to want to, you know, do your kata. You're going to you want to be ready for this because if you are not a person of forcefulness, then chaos has you and your baggage on the ship will bring you along, but you're not living your purpose. Um, you have to be forceful. As a spirit of peace thing, you know, I've said a few times this weekend, peace is the headquarters of faith. If you don't have peace in your life, then faith will be out there, but it won't be under command. And it will be absent in some places where it should. It's not in touch with headquarters. And, you know, try is what makes faith live, but peace is what makes faith survive. Um, and w without it, your life efforts even if rightly intentioned, even if you're doing the right things generally, if you don't have peace, they will drift and decay because you'll be eroded from the inside out. And this is what anxiety does to us so often. Um, you're going along, you're doing the right things, but something's weighing on you, something's weighing on you, or you never get any rest because you're just worried about stuff, and then pretty soon you just collapse like a sandcastle. And... You just stop. You don't even know why. Well, it's because you didn't have any peace or stillness in your life. Uh, peace is not measured by rest. Um, peace is what allows us to rest. Right? Peace does not come from rest. Other way around. Other way around. And so peace is the virtue. You know? And peace is not fashionable in our culture. Right? 
we have developed all sorts of technologies to promote peace in our life. Right? Marketers market to anxious people all the time. Right? We market peace right now. If you have this, your life will be so chill. You will be so relaxed. You know. Um, and there are certain pseudo spiritual practices out there. You know, certain meditations and yogas or moving meditations and stuff like that. I appreciate them because they are answering a dire need. They are. But without faith, without actually believing in something, they won't go very far. You know, we believe in a God who is omnipotent, a God who called us to do this stuff, you know, and so a God who commands us to rest. You know, we have to do it out of obedience, even if we don't feel like it. We have to disciple those emotions uh, so that we can rest. And you need a routine for it. Otherwise, you won't do it. I could go on and on. But we cannot bring peace to the world unless we have peace in our lives. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46. And so you have to have some stillness in your life. Uh, you, have to, you have to be able to rest even when the storm is raging. And if you rest when the storm is raging, then you'll get up and quiet the storms. Somehow you will find your way to cut through it. Right? Unless you just exhausted yourself with anxiety or restlessness or something like that. Battle stance. Show up. See things essentially and clearly. Be a loving person. Be forceful in a huge way. Be ready to just go off in faith when you need to. To go off in love. Right? And uh, you know, be, a, be a person of, of peace. Action comes from, from stillness. What do you think? Where? How are you doing on those things? How many of you are like, mm, I suck at all of them? I certainly have battles in all of them. How many of you are like, well, you know, I'm really convicted today about the peace thing. I'm really convicted about the force thing. You know, I'm kind of a wimp. Kind of a wimp. Or I'm really convicted about the loving thing. It could be all of the above. But what, that, what the kata is, little exercise is, is it's sort of an inventory, right? It's not meant to judge you. It's meant to remind you, Right? remind you. We often say on the supernatural ministry teams, all right, get your faith on. It's like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> We're going to go do miracles. All right, I better believe now. But that's part, of, that's part of being human, you know, is to put it on, to put it on, to dress yourself for the day. My Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be people of overwhelming purpose. I, what I really want is for God to work into our spirits the whole picture. We need to be clear about our purpose. We need to live according to our purpose. We need to be willing to fight in order to do that. And then we need to do the things that get us ready to fight all the time. If we do this, then there are no real barriers. In this world, by the Lord's design, there are no barriers to purpose. Not really. We've got what it takes. We're the light of the world.
He has given us power to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Father, work that into our spirits. Work it into our minds. And I pray, Lord, that every moment of clarity that has come to us on this retreat uh, would abide in us going forward. I pray, Lord, that every surge of forcefulness that has come to us on this retreat would abide in us going forward. We pray, Lord, that the call of Christ would manifest abidingly in our lives. We pray to be a community of purpose. If nothing else, people, let's just covenant to live according to salt and light each moment as we should. Yes, I will be a person of purpose, top to bottom. Even as some of you pray that, I think you feel blocks coming against you. Maybe it's a block of anxiety. Maybe it's a block that has to do with uh, resource worries or shame. Remove it. Purpose over all. That's where the power is. Move, Holy Spirit, move upon us even now. I pray for a move of the kingdom. Let your kingdom come.